Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome back, one and all, episode 33 of the Mike and Mo Show, the Great Larry Bird Jersey 33 edition. We are here, Thursday Night Football, the Creamsicles versus Zebras that just ended, the worst game in the history of the world, but Mo, Mo is going to tell you why his boy, Ryan Tannehill, deserves to be saved. I cannot wait to hear this rant. It's going to be good. I may die laughing, but Mo, welcome to the show, of course, and... um, Let's get right into it, my man. What's going on? Well, as you guys know, I've been a huge supporter of Ryan Tannehill. I know it doesn't look good right now if there's a night football in their new uh, orange popsicle jerseys, but, Mm. you know, it's all good. Listen, all right, let me just hear me out really quickly. The last two seasons, from 2014 to 2015, Ryan Tannehill had 4,000-plus yards throwing, and he had 51 combined touchdowns and 24 interceptions. Now, he can't be that bad. He can't be, I mean, horrible. I mean, he's not Jay Cutler stinky yet. Jay Cutler is a level below Tannehill. Let's get that straight. So that, another thing, Tannehill could be a late bloomer because, as you know, he didn't play quarterback all the way in college. You know, he was, he was a receiver, so let's give him, let's give him some time to bloom. I, Adam Gase is there. He, he's got the right guy in his ear, but the Dolphins need a run game. And if you listen to the commentary before this game started, you know that Ryan Tannehill came into this game as the leading rusher on his team, which is not a good sign. They need they need to they needed to get a running back. They didn't go with the running back earlier in the offseason, so they wound up with Arian Foster, who's so injury prone, more injury prone than, than my grandpa if he was alive. But they didn't they didn't handle that backfield correctly, and this is why you have a one-dimensional offense. There's too much pressure on Ryan Tannehill. You can't ask him to be Tom Brady. So they need to do something to develop their running their their rushing offense. Once they do that, Ryan Tannehill will be fine and he'll be back into the high twenties with interceptions, low teens, high twenties with touchdowns, I should say, low teens with interceptions. I am not totally giving up on Ryan Tannehill, but I'm a little, I'm just a tad bit worried. They had the Titans coming up on the schedule. The Titans have a really good pass defense. They had the Steelers, who were pretty good up, in, up until they ran into the Philadelphia Eagles. And then they had the Jets, Chargers, Rams. Now, I'm a little iffy on those matchups. I dropped Ryan Tannehill in one of my fantasy leagues because I really needed the spot. Not because I totally gave up on him, but because I really needed the spot. And it's all about W's. But I think, despite what you just saw, and I know this sounds crazy because you just watched 22-7, to Miami lose this game, but I think Ryan Tannehill will be fine. They, got, they need to feed the ball to Kenyon Drake. Now, people laughed at me, okay, when I said Kenyon Drake will have a better rookie season than Derrick Henry. That doesn't look likely right now because Derrick Henry had a really good preseason. He had some yards against the Raiders, not a lot. But if you get Kenyon Drake involved, he could be your Matt Forte. I, I know he's not on Matt Forte's level right now, but he has that ability to run the ball and catch. You have J.J. who's not worth much. I don't know why Mike picked him up in the fantasy league, but Kenyon Drake is your guy. Now, eventually, maybe you get Arian Foster back healthy. Who knows? But develop the backfield. Once you develop the backfield and defenders have to, I guess, not sit back on their heels and wait for the pass and kind of play the run, then you're going to see Ryan Tannehill improve. Again, do not give up on this guy just yet. This is a 4,000-yard thrower last two years. 20-plus touchdown passes. 
not even in the teens with interceptions. I believe he had 12 in back-to-back years. So let's wait a minute on Ryan Tannehill. I know Mike is jumping out of his seat, ready to bash him. But let's calm down. Let's take a deep breath. It's only been four games. The Dolphins are a bad team. Yes, they're a bad football team. But I think Tannehill still has the ability to come around and have a good, productive season. That's a fantasy there for you fantasy owners out there. Keep your eye on Tannehill still. I know it looks bad, but just hang in there. If the Dolphins win more than two games, then the world is going to come to an end because this is a horrible team. They literally... I feel bad, too, because they have two decent receivers in, in Landry and Parker, and that's it. The Miami Dolphin defense is non-existent. Their running game is worse than their passing game. And I cannot believe that you even had Tannehill on your roster. He had eight points tonight and fantasy football. That is horrendous. I mean, you could pick somebody up off the street and plug them in and he'd probably get you nine. So uh, if, if anybody's holding on to him in your league, you need to have your head checked and you need to drop him immediately. Uh, it's just, it's, it's one thing after the other with this team. I kind of, Adam Gase, man, you were the guy that, you know, fixed, uh, Peyton Manning and you fixed Jay Cutler. Well, you ain't fixing Ryan Tannehill because he is beyond repair. They should move him back to wide receiver and you can have three solid receivers and go out and get a a real quarterback in the draft or find one off, you know, the scrap heap because this team and their horrible Orange creamsicle uniforms are going nowhere fast. But hey, Mo is Mo should be the quarterback coach for the Miami Dolphins because he's got more faith in uh, in Tannehill there than anybody that I've ever spoke to. Listen, I just live in a society where everyone likes to throw it away. As soon as something doesn't work, we want to throw it away instead of going through the hard work and fixing it. Let's not just throw Tannehill away. Let's try to fix it. I mean, Adam Gates, as you said, is known as a quarterback guru. He was with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning has the utmost respect for him. He fixed Jay Cutler. Why can he not fix Tannehill? Because, again, I think Tannehill is more talented than Jay Cutler. I mean, Jay Cutler, we're going to talk about him later in the show. He may not even get his job back, even though I don't believe that. But coaches aren't even aren't even fully behind him 100% getting his job back. And you want to put him on, people are comparing Jay Cutler and Ryan Tannehill. And I'm like, no. First of all, Jay Cutler played quarterback throughout his whole career. Ryan Tannehill could be, very well could be a late bloomer. He had better stats than Jay Cutler, even at Jay Cutler's best. So let's get back to that. But yes, I am still in the Ryan Tannehill corner. I did not start him this week because I already knew uh, Bengals defense pretty good. I did start my Bengals defense in uh, one of my leagues got 20 points for that. Thanks for the Bengals. Uh, but still, yes, Tannehill. I, I think he could have a bounce back week against the Tennessee Titans next week, even though the Tennessee Titans are kind of tough against the pass defense. I think he can have a bounce back week if, and only if, they can get some respect for their rushing offense. If they can do that, Tannehill will be a lot better. I don't think it's all on Tannehill, the failures on offense. It's, I don't think it's all on him. I think they just need a balance there. Don't be surprised if more people get benched because Byron Maxwell was benched before this game at cornerback. So there could be more changes in Miami to kind of shake things up and get people on the right side of the coin. I just don't understand what the love affair with Ryan Tannehill being a quarterback ever was. I mean, he, like you said, he was not a quarterback at Texas A&M. He was a wide receiver. So what made anybody think that he was going to be a good quarterback in the NFL? He is, he is what we thought they are. I mean, to quote, you know, a famous co- uh, coach. I, I just don't understand why we're still trying to make him a quarterback. Maybe he just 
isn't. You know, you're, you're throwing out all these great examples of why he could, but why... Why does he have to? He wasn't a quarterback in college. He's now in his fifth year as an NFL starter. Maybe that's maybe we saw the best what he what he's had last year. Maybe he's not gonna ever get this team to the playoffs. So honestly, I think if the Dolphins ever want to take advantage of you know uh, a, a new stadium, they need to actually like go out and get a quarterback. Otherwise, if you want to be stuck in mediocrity, then go right ahead because I don't see him getting you to the promised land. But that's why we play the game. Open mic. Well, the Houston Texans went out and spent a whole <laughs> lot of money on uh, Lamar Miller and Osweiler. But the one thing they didn't account for was their defensive MVP to be knocked out for the remainder of the season with a back surgery, the second back surgery in less than like five months. So this is a huge deal. Uh, people have just been waiting for J.J. Watt to succumb to some kind of injury because people I don't know, people just don't seem to love this guy. Uh, they, they call him all these names. He's a phony. He's a this. He's a that. I just think he's a hell of a football player. And I think the biggest problem now is going to be on that defensive side of the ball because they're going to put so much more pressure on Clowney. Uh, Cushing is already out, and you know it's it's a, it's a good defense. But when you're when you miss a guy like this, the most disruptive force on the de- defensive side of the ball in in the NFL, I don't know how you can come back from that. But Mr. Football, do do the Houston Texans have a chance at still winning that division, or or has their you know has their luck run out now that they have uh going to be out without Watt for the rest of the year? Of course they still have a chance to win this division. Have you watched the rest of the division? Yeah, it's terrible. That's the Jaguars haven't won a game yet. Yeah. They can't play defense. The Colts won one game. They beat the Chargers. Whoop-de-doo. They can't play defense. The Titans just lost to my Raiders. They can't play like a ball fence without Delaney Walker. He's already banged up with a hamstring injury, and you already know those hamstrings can be very tricky throughout the year. So yeah. the Houston Texans are still in good shape, even without J.J. Watt. Devon Still uh, is going to be filling in. So they signed Antonio Smith, who's probably has been. But uh, other than that, I believe their defense is still pretty solid. You also mentioned that they're going to be around Brian Cushing for a little bit. But they still have Vince Wolfark, who is still 40 years old and still producing in the middle. I mean, he's not 40, but he's up there in age. He's an elder statesman. He is 400 pounds, though. He is huge. County. What's that? He is 400 pounds. He is. He looks like he ate like a small herd of buffalo. He is huge. <laughs> If, if that dude approaches me in overalls and a straw hat, I'm running the other way. I don't care if he's 40 or 20 or 30. But <laughs> but Jadavion Clowney is the X factor here because we all expected so much of Jadavion Clowney coming into the league after that massive hit that he had with South Carolina. He comes in, he's the number one overall pick in, I believe, 2014. And everyone's like, oh, Jadavion Clowney's going to be the next big thing. And it just hasn't happened yet. Now that J.J. Watt is out, it is his turn to take over this defense and be the guy who's going to garner all that attention for the sacks, for the tackles for a loss, but we'll see what happens. I've always questioned Clowney's, his passion for the game, because it seems like he's always out with a minor soft tissue injury. He's missing a lot of games. Yes, I know you can't control all your injuries. Sometimes you got to take out, you got to be out, you know, to rehab yourself and get well and get back on the field, but it just doesn't seem like he pushes hard enough to play. And I guess we'll finally see that because he's missed a ton of games since he's been in the league. And now they really need him. So we'll see if he steps up for that defense. 
again, even if he doesn't, I still think the Texans, people aren't giving Brock Osweiler enough credit. People are down on Brock Osweiler ever since John Elway turned the other way, drafted a new quarterback, started Trevor Simeon. People are very down on him, but I think he gets a lot of help with Lamar Miller back there. You just said they spent a lot of money on him. You still got DeAndre Hopkins out there. Will Fuller's playing pretty good. So I think that offense is going to be a lot better than previous years where the onus is not going to be solely on the defense to make things happen, to score points, or to give the offense good field position. I think the Houston Texans have a more balanced team. Of course, it didn't look like that last week when they got shots by the Patriots. But it's the Patriots, okay? We're talking about the AFC South. It's just the Jaguars. It's just the Colts and the Titans. They still, they're they're going to be in the thick of things. I know J.J. Watt's going to be out for the year, so there's no chance of him coming back, even though they said maybe if anyone can come back from this, it's J.J. Watt. It's not going to happen. They're going to have to soldier on without him. We'll see if they do it. I think they do. I still think they have a chance. I think the Colts and the Texans will both finish 9-7, and seven, and it'll come down to, who wins their seasonal matchup? Whoever wins that, and if it is split, it goes to the conference, and we'll see what happens. But I think the Texans are in it to the last week. Sad part is somebody has to win that division, and <laughs> that's just the way it is. But let's move on to the other team that is constantly dealing with injuries one way or the other, and we, we talk about the Dallas Cowboys so often because usually it's Tony Romo and his osteoporosis that's kicking in. And now it's honestly, Des Bryant is as injured every year as Tony Romo. I mean, you can't really have one without the other. And and now we hear that Des Bryant has a, a crack in his knee and that he's, he's getting the Adrian Peterson treatment. He Well, he could be out three weeks. He could be out three months, uh, anywhere in between. Oh, but he might play this week. Like, what? What kind of doctoring are we doing here? Like, I am totally confused. Uh, I kind of feel bad for Dak Prescott because, um, again, he, rookie rookie quarterback, you know, he needs to have these weapons out there. He's looked pretty good, and he's got the Niners this week. But uh, should we expect to see Des Bryant this week? Or, you know, is it even worth trying him, you know, out there against the Niners? Yeah, I, I think you sit him against the Niners because your boy Cole Beasley. yeah playing pretty well so he should be able to step up and you can beat the Niners with just a run game so I think the Dallas Cowboys are better off just sitting Des Bryant the biggest story here is Des Bryant once again shows his immaturity apparently it's been reported that he skipped the MRI and a team meeting because he feared that his knee injury was worse than initially seemed so he skipped the scheduled MRI because he didn't want the results and, and his coach came out, Garrett came out and said, Jason Garrett came out and said he handled it the wrong way. And he's an emotional person. He's passionate. But to me, this is just, this goes beyond passion and emotion. If you have an injury, number one, you want to make sure it's not a serious injury so you don't go out there and further hurt yourself and then, in effect, hurt the team. Second of all, you don't miss a team meeting and, and go out and go, go through all of this because you don't want the results to attest on your knee. Go get your knee checked out so you can move on with, with you know, treatment or whatever you need and, and plan. Maybe you need to be out three weeks. Maybe you need to be out six. If it's the season, you need to know these things because it's, it's your health and it's for the team. And I think it's just people say it's emotion and passion. I think it's a little bit of selfish. Being, being Des Bryant, being him, knowing his history, he's had some questionable things he's done, all about him, all about Des. And I think the Cowboys as a whole, we're going to talk about another guy who's going to be out for a while. The Cowboys as a whole, they're the most successful, dysfunctional team in the NFL. I, mean, I don't know how that sits with people, but 
they win, not as much as they should, but they just have so much going on behind the scenes that I think if they didn't have all this background distraction stuff going on, they would be a much better football team. Now, Randy Gregory is out for another 10 games. As you know, he's been suspended. He was suspended for the first four games. And he served those three games, and now we got note that he's going to be suspended for an additional 10 games. Now, apparently, after his rehab, he didn't report to the team, and now he cannot play until week 16. So basically, his second year in the NFL is basically done. He played 12 games last year and suspended. And he's going to get suspended this year for an additional 10, added on to the four already. So he's going to play two games this year. So basically, he's lost another season. Well, I shouldn't say another season. He's lost his second year. So the Cowboys won't have a pass rusher. We won't know in, until Dez confirms his MRI how long they're going to be without their wide receiver because I doubt he plays. And the Cowboys, to me, are just so... It's just so much dysfunction going on, and it's unfortunate because they have a potential star at running back. I know he said... I know last week I said Ezekiel Elliott could be a bust if he doesn't get it together with his mind, but he, he also has the potential to be a star. And you got Dak Prescott, who's playing well. And it's just so unfortunate that you have this other stuff going on that, that just kind of depletes everything. And I, I don't know where the Cowboys are going to end up. I, I don't feel they win a division. I still think it's the Giants. The Cowboys just continue to shoot themselves in the foot with poor decision-making. And it starts at the top with Jerry Jones. Well, I mean, there's nothing really else to say because uh, you said it all, Mo. Let's move on to, uh, let's move on to the man, the, the myth. The legend, Josh Gordon. And for those of you who were holding on to him or drafted him in your fantasy football draft, possibly with like a top 10 pick, well, you trying to make me go to rehab, but that's it. Oh, wait, it stopped. It paused. No, it didn't. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so Josh Gordon isn't coming back anytime soon. Mo, what is the latest on uh, the, uh, the this guy, this guy who may not ever play in the NFL again? Well, first of all, I want to commend... Uh, Josh Gordon. I know that sounds odd because this is a guy who's has been out of the league more than he's actually played. Mm-hmm. But basically, he released a statement saying that he needed to take full control of his life, and that's something that's a serious thing. And we we talked about this before with addiction. We talked about this with Martavis Bryant and everything. That sometimes football comes second to life because you know life happens, and we we all deal with our different uh, issues and our demons or whatever it is off the field or outside of our workplace and basically he's taking control and saying look i have a problem and i need help and for a lot of players it's hard it's hard for them to go out and say i need help especially if you you're considered uh, you know a star player we all know what josh going to do when he's on the field and for him to take a step back and say you know what football comes second to this i need to fix this first before i get on the field on the football side of things, people are saying that this this seems like it could be the end for Josh Gordon in Cleveland. I know Hugh Jackson expressed that he would have patience with Josh Gordon. As far as I know, he hasn't done anything out of line. Uh, this is a, this is a guy, a young guy who just wants to get his life together. I'm sure Hugh Jackson will respect that. But there will be a decision that has to be made by the end of the year, whether they hang on with him or not. We'll we'll kind of monitor the situation to see where it goes, obviously, but. The development of his of his character rehab will de- probably determine what Cleveland does with him as as a player with his contract, because obviously now 
they're looking at it now as we have to move on this season as if we're not going to have him for the entire year, of course. Now, Corey Coleman's out four to six weeks with a fractured hand, so it puts a lot of strain on their offense, which means uh, Gary Barnage, my fantasy football darling, has to step up. He <laughs> to step up, bro. But um, back to Josh Gordon, uh, I, I, again, I wish him the best. I, I hope that he straightens his life out because apparently he needs it. And hope he comes back strong. Yeah, absolutely. We we always hope, you know, for the best when people, you know, have issues. And, and especially, you know, the first step to recovery is to admit those that you ha- might have an issue and to seek, uh, you know, to seek recovery and uh, whatever avenue you can get it from. So the best to Josh. And, you know, again, football comes second to life. So uh, but what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give Mo a couple players. And I want to know uh, if these guys who are now injured, if it makes any difference to their team at all. So we're going to start with the Giants. Shane Vereen going to miss the remainder of the season after suffering a tricep injury. Mo, does it matter? It matters because he was the leading rusher on that team. Rashad Jennings is out with a thumb injury, but I do think Paul Paul Perkins steps up. He's the rookie fifth-round pick. I think he's going to step in because he was a dual threat in college at UCLA. He could run and catch. So I think it's a big deal in the beginning. Until Paul Parkin steps his game up, and then you'll see that he was worth that fifth-round pick. Okay. All right. Thomas Rawls, Seattle is going to be out for a few weeks with a hairline fibular fracture. Uh, we know they picked up C.J. Spiller this week, so it's going to be a lot on Christine Michael. Uh, and maybe Spiller gets in. Procise is still hurt. Is this going to hurt? Uh, you know, is this going to hurt Seattle going forward? You know what? I think it is. I mean, Thomas Rolls was pretty good last year before he got hurt. And then he, you know, he has a setback. He gets hurt. It's rough. Christine Mack, who ran, ran well last week. You mentioned Pro Science is out with an injury. They still have Alex Collins, I believe. They're, they're loading up their backfield with players, but I don't know if it's more of a plug-and-play for them because Thomas Rolls, I think, is a better talent than anyone they have on their roster right now. People have been banking on Christine Michael for a long time. Now it's his chance to show it. We'll see what happens, but I think it's a blow to Seattle's offense. Okay. D'Angelo Hall, who I honestly did not know was still in the league, tore his ACL, and he's out for the year. Now, uh, the Redskins don't have much of a defense to begin with, so does losing – is he – I don't even – is he like a third – is he their nickel back? Because I honestly can't even remember the last time I saw him on a field. He's at, he actually moved to safety this year oh, because okay. they put in Josh Norman and uh, Bashar Brillian was on the other side. So they, they moved him to, to free safety because that's where all the old cornerbacks go. That's where they're trying to push Revis, by yep. the way. Please go. But uh, it doesn't really matter for the for the Redskins. I mean, they, they do have a – they still have an okay nickel package. Sewell Cravens, who's that hybrid linebacker, defensive back, had a big interception against the Giants last week. He stepped up. He's their second-round pick. So I don't think it's a big hit to Washington's defense. I mean, as you said, the defense is already mediocre anyway. The San Diego Chargers cannot catch a break. Another week, another player gone for the season. Manti Teo suffered a torn Achilles uh, and a non-contact injury. That's really what just sucks. Uh, But he's going to be gone for the year. I mean, obviously, I just mentioned that there's many injuries, but does this injury to the defense uh, really going to affect them, or do, do we not expect San Diego to play any defense anyway? Uh, San Diego's defense is still a work in progress. Uh, Manchete is good, but I think he's still the third-best linebacker on that roster. You still have Melvin Ingram healthy. You still have Denzel Perryman healthy. So they'll be able to uh, work around it. They did draft Joshua Perry also, who I expect to get more snaps now. But, yeah, I mean, Manti Teo is Manti Teo. He's good, but he's not great. Uh, 
you know, uh, get well soon. Maybe he has a girlfriend that can help him uh, uh, heal. Boo. Not taking a shot. Not taking a <laughs> no? shot. No. Are you sure about that? Because uh, it sounded no, like a shot. Um, no okay, is Joey Bosa ever going to play? Or, I mean, now seems like an opportune time that he would play. I'm just thinking. Yeah, this, this is what happened when you miss training camps. Yep. So people think you could just plug guys in. When you have a rookie, especially his caliber, and you would think he's a high-caliber player, he can play right out of the box. But when you don't have training camp, you you got to work in your conditioning. It's a lot that goes into playing football, and I don't think he has an impact maybe until the second half of the season. Uh, must be nice to get paid and to watch the game. Unbelievable. Our last set of injuries belongs to the Bears, the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jeremy Langford out four to six weeks with a sprained ankle, and cornerback Kyle Fuller gone for the year. So, um, yeah, cornerback, running back, Bears, terrible. What to expect? Yeah, uh, the biggest blow here is Jeremy Langford is out, and that hurts my fantasy team because I was banking on him to kind of pull me out of the rut in one of my fantasy leagues, and now he gets hurt. Uh, Jordan Howard, though, looked good in in, uh, in his preserve role, and I picked him up. So, yeah, I think the Bears are actually better off with Jordan Howard at running back than Jeremy Langford. A lot of Bears fans are telling me, look, Jeremy Langford would be better because the offensive line is better, and I try to tell them, like, no, the Bears' offensive line still sucks. And Jeremy Langford didn't show much. And if you if you watch the games, the, some of the Bears games, even if you watch the early part of the Cowboys game, you saw that Jordan Howard is probably going to emerge as the guy. If that, if not, maybe 50-50 with Langford once he comes back. Kyle Fuller is a big hit because he had a very good year in his rookie year, had a decent second year. They wanted him to force more turnovers, and they said that his position would be in jeopardy even when he did come back. And it just doesn't seem like he's fitting well with that coach's staff. That coach's staff did not draft him. It was the previous regime that drafted him in the first round. And he could be the odd man out, believe it or not. And he's going to be a hot commodity on the free agent market in a couple of years, maybe. If, if, if they don't cut him or if he doesn't demand a trade or something like that. It's, the Bears are just in pretty much bad shape. They don't have a secondary. They're running back. They're rushing offenses in flux. Cutler's hurt. He's coming back, but he's still mediocre. Kevin White is still raw, didn't play his rookie year. It's just a lot of problems in Chicago. They're going to finish last in that division. Sticking with those Bears, John Fox said after the game, after Cutler was hurt last week, uh, in regards to will Cutler get his job when he's healthy, he says, quote, I don't think there are any givens, unquote. Okay, but you're paying a guy $17 million this season, and you're going to tell me that a guy that you signed off of, you know, Craigslist, uh, Brian Hoyer, it's going to give you a better option to win uh, any games. I mean, did you not see him last year in that playoff game where he threw uh, 14 picks? I mean, the guy is horrendous. I mean, is it even a possibility that he really could sit Cutler if he were healthy enough to play this week? I don't think so. I think I think uh, John Fox is just being prickly. John Fox is known for being prickly with the media, so I, I, there's no chance you sit. I even though Jay Cutler is the king of mediocre, there's no way you sit him for Brian for Brad Hoyer, or Brian Hoyer, whatever his name is. Doesn't matter. <laughs> he's not going to start past the time once Jay Cutler is ready to play and he's healthy. He's going to step back on the field. and He's going to be the quarterback because. As you said, they, they gave him a contract. Unless they plan on drafting someone or moving up in the draft to replace him, he's going to be their guy. Man, oh, man, if you're a Bear fan, 
it's time to jump ship. Uh, last but not least, the the hot seat in the NFL is starting to warm up for certain guys, uh, Gus Bradley in Jacksonville, and I think that there's a perfect name. The offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots would be an absolute perfect fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars and Blake Bortles. Call me crazy. Call me crazy if you want. I mean, but Josh McDaniels has already come out and said that he wants to be a head coach after this season. Now, we already know that he was a head coach many years ago with the uh, the Denver Broncos, went 11-17. and 17. Now, this was pre-John Elway days. Uh, he was fired midway through the 2010 season. But, Mo, is this a guy that is just a really good offensive coordinator, or is this a guy that deserves a second shot, or is it both? I think he deserves a second shot. I think I said this in the last episode that now the NFL is so pass-happy, so offensive-minded. You need an offensive coordinator leading your football team because most times if you have a defensive coordinator leading your football team and you have a young quarterback, you stunt his growth. And you, To me, you see that around the league, there are exceptions. There are real coaches, Raiders, and Derek Carr is doing well. Of course, Belichick is there, and he, he, he can win virtually with any quarterback on the center. But now, you, you preferably you want an offensive mind leading your team because that's where the league is. It's quarterback-driven. It's pass-happy. So Josh McDaniel, I, I know he, he bombed when he went to Denver, but back then I, I read stories about his how he acted and he just rubbed people the wrong way. He felt when he, once he walked in the building, he was the guy, and he was humble. So now he gets a second chance, and I actually think Jacksonville is a good spot for him. But as I said before, if... If Rex Ryan doesn't last in Buffalo, why wouldn't Josh McDaniel want to go coach a, form, a Pro Bowl player in Tyrod Taylor? I mean, the Bills could put up points. and They, they look like an unassuming team, but Sammy Watkins, Tyrod Taylor, LaShawn McCoy, that's, you know, that could be a high-powered offense if Josh McDaniel steps in. He could save Buffalo from their recent woes and probably get them back to the playoffs. But do you think that he stays away from Buffalo so that he doesn't pull that Eric Mangini, I'm going to go coach in the same division as my my mentor, Bill, Bill Belichick? You know what? It, once you, it, you know what? It comes down to, I think it comes down to roster talent. Yeah. And if I have to say, okay, which team has the best overall talent, I would say Jacksonville does as far as if, you, if you're looking long-term. If you're looking short-term, like you want to have a success up, an early success in your head coaching career, you want to make a statement in your first year, I go to Buffalo because remember Buffalo still, they have a lot of defensive players still there and it just guys hurt like Shaq Lawson, you know, guys like that, Reggie Ragland, those guys missing time. But once they get back on the field, Buffalo could have a pretty balanced team. The Jacksonville Jaguars have veterans in their defense and they're still not stopping anyone. That's, that's worrisome. No, but like you, like we said earlier, somebody has to win that AFC South, and it's a lot easier road to get to the playoffs than going through the AFC East. So, yeah, I mean, either way, I, he might be okay, but I just think long-term, like you said, winning that division might be a whole lot easier. It, it, it really depends, because on one hand, you have, okay, let's say he does coach the Bills. You're going to face Bill Belichick, but Brady's going to be 40 soon. So... How many years are you going to really see Brady? If you go to the AFC South, you're going to have to see a young Andrew Luck year in and year out. All all the Colts have to do is just fire the GM and, <laughs> and get somebody with half a brain who's going to who's going to start drafting defensive players, and the Colts could be a powerhouse. Whereas, whereas Brady is going to be out in two, three years. Although he said he wants to play nine more years, so anything's on the table. 
he could play in my nine more years, but I doubt it'll be with Bill Belichick. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens with Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo's situation next year when he is a free agent. Does uh, you know, does Bill Belichick usher in the new breed and give Brady the boot? It'd be fun to think, see. Think think about this, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo, they have to make a decision on him, yeah, because he's gonna be a free agent, and they and they cannot so. He has an option. Do you keep Jimmy Garoppolo, who looked really good when he was on the field, yeah. a young Jimmy Garoppolo, or do you keep a 40-year-old Tom Brady? Well, do you worry that he could be another Matt Castle? That's that's the other side of the equation where, again, Matt Castle had, had actually had a bigger, better NFL body than Jimmy Garoppolo, not as athletic at all, but we saw what Castle did that year, and he turned that, you know, that half, what was it, three-quarters of the season into a huge contract with Kansas City, and then he bounced around from there. That's the only thing that I, I worry that New England might be afraid to pull the trigger, but I, how could you not? I mean, it'd be like when Indianapolis has finally gave up on Peyton and ushered in luck. I mean, that's just a smart thing to do. And you know what it is? It's all about Bill. It, Bill himself, how long is he going to coach? Is he thinking short-term or long-term? Because if he wants to stay around for another five years, I think he leans towards Jimmy Garoppolo because you're thinking about the future. If Bill says, you know what, I'm only going to coach two, three more years anyway, then I see him holding on to Brady and then they both walking out together. Yeah, and Tom Brady, goes, like he go, Tom Brady goes to the New York Jets and, uh, you know, we win a title. Yeah, wishful thinking there. There, there was a story a long time ago that Tom Brady could have went to the Jets. It didn't happen, but we won't even go into that story. No, we won't, because we have enough problems in the green and the white of MetLife Stadium. But that is it. We'll be right back with Building Momentum, and we're going to talk some baseball. Be right back. It's now time for Building Momentum. Well, the baseball world lost Jose Fernandez in a boating accident, and uh, his funeral was actually on Thursday, and his pallbearers carried him out in a casket with his jersey on. If you watched the Mets versus Marlins game, you saw there was a lot of emotion there. Uh, Players put caps on the mounds. The Marlins players all wore his number 16 in commemoration for him, and as a person who's I guess not into baseball as much as my co-host here, Mike, he could probably tell you a lot more about his career. But what I will tell you is that it, when you see things like this happen, when a young player, you know, athlete, I believe 24 years old, loses his life, you're, you're reminded that it, there's no time limit. Like you, could be, you could be 21 and 40 or whatever, and these unfortunate things just happen. And it's, it's just so sad because I believe it's his girlfriend and is also pregnant with their daughter. So it, it's a compound situation. You feel for the guy. Outside of baseball, people will talk about his baseball career and, you know, his pitching and what he did in his last outing. I believe he had a really good outing against the Washington Nationals where he pitched eight innings, didn't allow any runs, maybe three hits, and he felt that that was one of his best games he's pitched. But as a person, you realize that these these athletes are not immortal. You think you think they, they go on throughout their whole career and they're going to have a 10, 15-year career. And... We forget that life happens, and it relates back to what I was saying about Josh Gordon, that sometimes sports come second to actual life because these players, they have lives outside of their sport. And, and this guy, obviously, you know, he, he was on a boating accident, and it happened. It's a shocker, but we're all, we all must be reminded that these things could happen at any point in a person's career, whether they're rookies, early in their career, late in their career. So 
you know, pay tribute to your players and appreciate them while, while they're out there pitching, while they're out there shooting the basketball, throwing the football, whatever the case may be. Absolutely devastating, you know, to, to fans and, and, and the Miami Marlins organization and obviously his family, you know, uh, just uh, someone loses their life at such a young age and it, it really is just a shame. This guy... I mean, he was he was amazing. I mean, you didn't have to be a fan of the Marlins, but every time he went out there and pitched on every fifth day, you just you wanted you wanted to see what he was capable of because he was that good. I mean, his rookie year, he was twelve and six with a two nineteen ERA, one rookie of the year, and that was just in two thousand thirteen. Uh, he had Tommy John surgery uh, shortly after that. He barely pitched in the past two seasons because of that, and then came back this year, uh, pitched in the All Star game, sixteen and eight with a two eight seven ERA and over two hundred strike. And, you know, people were talking about him for possibly being one of the Cy Young candidates. And again, 24 years old. I mean, I wrote I wrote about it the day he passed away. And this is a guy that spent uh, over a year in prison before the age of 14 trying to leave Cuba. He tried to leave three separate instances and each time was stopped. And then finally, on the on the the fourth time, he successfully uh, fled Cuba uh, he, they, they were on a boat and, and the Cuban Coast Guard was shooting at him and, and the people that were trying to escape and his mother actually fell out of the boat and he jumped in the ocean to save her and that that's just the stories that you hear about this guy he, he was, he was a big kid, he was 24 but he loved life and he just he did what he had to do to make a better life for him and his family I mean at 15 he escaped Cuba and went to Mexico and, and became uh, one of the best pitching prospects that we've ever seen, I mean he was the first round pick in 2011 the 11th overall pick and just two years later was in the major leagues winning rookie of the year i mean it's just god it just my heart aches for his family and all the things that they went through to come to this country and he loved being an american and he in 2015 he be, he became a citizen and and you know we we are so wrapped up in all the terrible things that go on in this country but for a guy like that to set an example that you know what Cuba is 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 a communist country, and he did everything and risked life and limb to leave that country to come here to make a better life, and loved the opportunity that this country gave him. That that's what we sometimes forget, and and it's unfortunate that we have to be reminded of this when when someone does pass away, and it's just it's just heartbreaking because you know we hear all these stories and we wonder you know what could have he what could he have possibly done differently to to not go on a boat at two o'clock in the morning after they had just won a game and. You know, they went to a club and then they went out on a boat and he was asking his friends and teammates to go and, and they all said, no, you know, Jose, don't do it. We don't want you to. And we've heard stories that, you know, he had an argument with his girlfriend and he just wanted to blow off steam. And he, that's the thing. He was just a regular guy. And, you know, he was just he was on the boat all the time. Now, you know, you, you want to say, Jose, don't do this. You're, you're pitching in two nights against the Mets. You know, there's no need to be on a boat in the middle of the night, in the middle of the ocean, because that's the thing things happen and you know when you're a young person you think well it's, it's not going to be me my my number's not up and that's just not the way it works at any time and that's what Mo said you have to be grateful and you have to be careful because this guy had the world right in front of him and he had a child coming and everything that he he just 
persevered and he gave Cuban Americans and so much hope and he just brought so much fun and love back to the game of baseball and we've talked about it constantly make baseball fun again that's what this guy did you know I posted a thing on Facebook the other day he was just talking to a young kid maybe the kid was six or seven and they were trading autographs I mean that you don't see that from athletes and you don't see that from people that they take the time to really share their love for something and he wanted to pass that on to to another generation and man just for for somebody to be cut short before that they've even before they've even got to experience life let alone, let alone baseball but life uh it just it, it i can't i can't imagine and when i found out the news on sunday morning i felt like somebody punched me in the stomach because like i said i may not have been a fan of of the miami marlins but of him i wanted to watch him and we don't you know for as many professional athletes in the world that there are you know we we don't hear that often of of tragedies that happen you know it, it does happen once in a while Thurman Munson with the Yankees back in the 70s and Hank Gathers and, and these other players that pass away at a young age but it just doesn't happen that often for the for the amount of professional athletes there are so that when it does it, it makes you you know you stop in your tracks and you say wow and there's always going to be the stupid people online that say well people pass away every day yes they do and and one life is not important more, more important than the other but when you look at what this man persevered and went through and then went out and was an entertainer and, and bared his soul for everyone to see, it's just different. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. So he connected with more people. He had more influence. His his outreach was more. So I, you know, I implore people to not look at it and say, well, it is this or it is that. No, no. It's just different. He, he just – he lived a different life and it gave him – different opportunities and, and you know i heard something in the radio and it, it stuck with me forever that the man came from the water and yet the water is what took him away and it's just it's so sad it really it breaks my heart and you know how yeah, apropos that the day later that uh a valise uh a black bag a wash up washes up on the shore of miami beach and and just people just opened the bag and there was four baseballs signed by jose fernandez and it's just like man that's just like it gives you goosebumps when you think like it shouldn't have happened Unfortunately, it did. Hopefully, people can learn a lesson. You know, that one man's tragedy, hopefully it can save another life. But, you know, we take away what this man was able to accomplish in, in barely with two full seasons of baseball and what could have done. And the Marlins, obviously, he had a huge impact on that team and the city, and they retired his number, and nobody will ever wear it. So, you know, rest in peace, uh, Jose Fernandez, your family, we are, you're in our thoughts and our prayers, and, and you will be missed. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really all you can say about that. Yeah, th- three things uh, that stood out to me, uh, just to put a ball on this. Uh, Levitar couldn't even speak. I mean, he, he talked about this, and he, he couldn't even get his whole statement out. He was in tears. I've never seen Levitar like that, that emotional. And I guess it's the Cuban connection there, you know, him being of Cuban descent. Also, Jose Fernandez. Another thing that stuck out to me was D. Gordon's home run. Yeah. When that happened, and he was in tears as he as he mounted the, as he crossed the bases, and his hit, and that that was an emotional moment. And then the Mets players said they even felt guilty trying to win that game. This is a team you know fighting for a playoff spot. They felt guilty trying to win that game over the Marlins because of what Jose uh, Jose Fernandez meant to that team and to the game. So again, a type of larger larger than the game type of figure in Jose Fernandez and. Again, prayers brought to his family. Absolutely. And we'll stick with baseball and we'll stick with, actually, we'll stay with the Washington Nationals, same division as was Miami Marlins. And for a team that's headed to the playoffs, 
uh, injuries. And this is not the type. Of, this is not the time of year that you want to lose not only Steven Strasburg, which they just lost Wilson Ramos, their their starting catcher to an ACL tear. So he's going to be out for the rest of the year. And Daniel Murphy, who is the Mets killer, he's actually hasn't played in about ten days because he has a gluteus maximus injury. So uh, it's a little disappointing because this team is was really really looking good, steamrolling towards the playoffs, and now losing. Obviously, it was said by Mike Rizzo, uh, the general manager of the Nationals, that uh, definitely Strasburg will not pitch in the NLDS. And if the Nationals were to even reach the NLCS, uh, not even a remote possibility at this time that he would pitch. So uh, it's a big blow. Strasburg having a huge year, 3-6-0 ERA, uh, 11 strikeouts per nine innings. Huge, huge, huge. And again, this is the team that's going to be playing the L.A. Dodgers uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, if I had to pick today, I would I would put my money on the Dodgers. I mean, they're, they're, it's a healthy team. Kurt, Clayton Kershaw's back. They're hitting on all cylinders. And again, the injuries are just something that you can't you can't break yourself for. But when you lose uh, three guys of that ilk, three guys that have carried you for the entire season, uh, especially Ramos. I mean, this is a guy that was going to be looking for a huge payday next next year because he was a free agent. Uh, three hundred seven batting average, three fifty four on base, four ninety six uh, on OPS. Uh, huge year. And again. It, this is this is a problem, and this is something that uh, you know Dusty Baker and company are going to have to figure out because Bryce Harper he's been struggling with a shoulder injury as well. They haven't been playing extremely well, but they do have a big enough lead that they can rest some of these guys like Daniel Murphy down the stretch. So uh, it'll be fun to see what happens. But uh, playoff baseball a couple days away. Real quick, how would you define Steven Strasburg's career at this point? Because he's had a lot of injuries. Yeah. He's pitched in one postseason game, lost that one. If you were to look at his career right now, the first seven years, with with all the hype that he came into the league with, what would you say is his grade right now as as a major league pitcher? I mean, you got to give him like a B minus because the potential is there. I mean, you strike out eleven guys in per nine innings, and it's fantastic. But uh, if anybody remembers Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood for the Chicago Cubs back in the late nineties, these guys were were just as good, had just as good stuff, uh, were ready and destined for the Hall of Fame, and injuries cut both of their careers short. So I don't know. It's interesting to see Kerry Wood became a closer later in his career. Maybe that's something. That that uh, the Nationals may have to possibly think about because you, uh, there's just something there that this guy goes out and he just can't can't complete a season without getting hurt and again sign a huge contract extension this year like 175 million dollars over the next seven years or so uh, so it's a huge investment and obviously you wouldn't have given that money to a closer but you want to have a guy on this on you know in the game on the field rather than sitting at home or on the DL so they're gonna have to figure something out but again how many different types of pitching coaches how many different types of orthopedists and medical people can you really employ until you figure out that there's something just wrong with the guy and you have to you have to shake it up otherwise this will just be another another tale of you know what could have been yeah definitely but we're gonna explore we're actually gonna take it back because i don't know if you guys remember if you've been listening to the show from the earlier days you know more money more buckets we have our squad and we're gonna welcome a new person theo epstein got a five-year <laughs> extension 10 million per year he deserves it i yep. mean the guy got the red Sox to the world series they haven't they didn't win one since 1918 he brings them to the world series he's the architect of, of that that uh that group that roster and now he has the cubs sitting on top of the national league heading into the playoffs sitting pretty i think he deserves every dollar people were criticizing saying is he worth all of that money 
The guy brought the Red Sox to prominence, and he could bring the Chicago Cubs to prominence, and he's in two supposedly cursed franchises. Theo Epstein can go, and he can go architect the Knicks and Phil Jackson to work out for life here. The guy is money. Pay him his dollars. Yeah, five years, $50 million. I mean, that's like, uh, that. that's like, uh, what's his name? Lee, that's with the Knicks. That's that's his type of money. That's what he just signed in the offseason. So, I mean, uh, that's awesome for him. Again, if this guy wins the title this year in, with the Cubs, for the Cubs, uh, he will be directly ushered into the Baseball Hall of Fame because, yeah. like you said, the Red Sox and the Cubs, two of the lovable loser uh, organizations for for a quarter, forget it, for a full century almost, uh, to bring them to 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 the promised land, I mean, absolutely. You got to look at what this guy has done. Uh, the Cubs were horrible before he got there, and even when he got there, they struggled for the first couple years. But he had a plan. He knew that even though they were going to be bad, he had to draft wisely. And look what those draft picks came to be: Chris Bryant, who's probably going to be your your National League MVP this year; Addison Russell, which he traded to get from the Oakland A's, traded Jeff Samarja. Addison Russell's got almost a hundred RBIs in a about 22 home runs this year. Yes, his batting average is 247, but I think he's like 22 years old. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, who he got for Andrew Kashner from the Padres. I mean, brilliant trades. Wilson Contreras was a draft pick. Kyle Schwarber, who's not even playing this year. He'll be back next year, a draft pick. Javier Baez, who plays a little bit of everything. Kyle Hendricks, who will guarantee will finish in the top five in the National League Cy Young Award that no one saw coming. And John Lester, who he pulled from the Red Sox, he brought him over to be that linchpin, to be the guy to mold and for everybody to follow to the promised land. All of the guys I just mentioned are signed through 2020. So if this team doesn't win it this year, it will be a little bit of a disappointment because of how great in a regular season they had. But just think, 2017, 18, 19, 20, they could possibly be like four-time World Series champions. I mean, it would be remarkable. But if they can just get one, the people of Chicago will be ecstatic and they can finally get that major monkey off their shoulder because it is uh it's it's been something that i i look i'm a yankee fan i don't know what it's like to not win i do right now but and, and it sucks but 1908 i can't imagine the curse of the billy goat and just ernie banks was the last like iconic cub that these these fans like rooted for so you know what? Good for them. We can forget about Steve Bartman and all that horrible drama that went on way back when. And, uh, hey, I'm pulling for you. I think it would be great if, if the Cubs uh, would play the Red Sox. And I dislike the Red Sox very much, but I think that would be a fantastic World Series. And, um, you know, uh, Theo, man, you deserve, every, like Mo said, every penny you get. And I, if I could have Theo uh, Epstein's career, I would be quite okay with that. Yeah, there's a lot of... You know, storylines going on in this potential MLB playoffs with the Mets at the Mets clinch. There'll be three teams I'm actually rooting for. Of course, Mets first. I, I would want to see. I would want to be alive to see the Cubs actually win something. I think that would be tremendous. And Big Poppy going out on top if the Red Sox go to the World Series against you know his former his former manager. That would be that would be pretty interesting to see. Two cursed teams going at it, even though the Red Sox have already won. Cubs going for it. Maybe we can get Steve Bartman and Moises Zulu at, at a dinner table and they can make up and it'll all be great in Chicago land and maybe they'll forget about the Bears that they stink, you know? So there's a lot of things going on. Uh, MLB playoffs around the corner, of course, we'll have it all locked here and Mike will give his picks and I'll give my picks, of course, if the Mets do clinch. I'll, I'll obviously have them going against the Cubs 
in a very uh, in a very thrilling seven game series. But that's wow. you know, here nor there yet. We'll move on to college football, and one of my favorite coaches in college football got fired, Les Miles. A lot of people have a lot of horrible things to say about Les Miles, but I, I like the guy. He was a little weird. He ate grass. I get it, but. <laughs> You know, LSU, th- th- that was a team that usually gave Alabama a challenge when they played each other. And Les Miles, you knew you were going into a, a fight, especially if you went to Death Valley at night. I forget LSU's crazy record, but they couldn't be beaten at night at Death Valley at one point. And now he's fired. We'll see where he ends up. I think USC may, can, may come calling. Who knows? Maybe he gets an NFL call. I, I don't know because he doesn't have a good track record with quarterbacks and as we know the NFL is a quarterback driven league so he'll probably stay in college and I think he lands at a good job but LSU they've already thought about contacting Nick Saban which makes my head spin because Nick Saban's already coached there but well I mean we'll see what happens we'll see who you know who replaces him I think Bob Stoops would be a good would be a good fit there I don't know if he leaves Oklahoma he's had chances to leave Oklahoma and just hasn't but if they if they're gonna replace that smiles I, I would want Bob Stoops because even though he doesn't win the big one, he does at least win games. LSU is just a really weird school. Like, they had a great run. They've had great runs. Jamarcus Russell, that was, like, the last time that they were really relevant. I just, why would, like, why would Nick Saban leave a predominantly great uh, program year after year that's challenging for a national title to go to LSU? Like, yes, he coached there. Does he really want to, like, another startup from the from the bottom? And, uh, you know, Bob Stoops, maybe Oklahoma's, I think Oklahoma's, like, the same kind of school. They may be a little bit better the, the past couple of years, but this is just, like, the brian kelly thing like we're just gonna recycle coaches over and over again until we you know we're now what one in three like notre dame is and they continue to break my heart and you know i you know i i feel bad for leonard Fournette. like what is the point like he's not even gonna get the opportunity to win the heisman he may finish in the top three for all we know but the team is not going anywhere and at two and two you know they may lose two or three more games so again the kid does he even want to play because we spoke about this a couple weeks ago what happens when this team falls so far out of it that he's more concerned about next year in the nfl uh you know it's just it's a weird team i don't know where they're going but they fired cam cameron their offensive coordinator and they bring in ed ogeron who you know w- way back when was the interim coach for uh for usc and um, this is a guy who's a defensive line coach i mean i don't know do defensive line coaches make great great head coaches uh not that i'm aware but again he, in 2013 he was six and two uh with usc after lane kiffin was fired so uh best of luck i guess he ed, ed is from the area He's from the Bayou country. So, um, hey, hopefully you rally the troops and you do well. But at the end of the day, LSU uh, is not who they thought they were. They're, uh, they're, they're a mediocre school at best, and, and they're going to have to pay somebody a whole lot of money like a Nick Saban if they really think he'll come, come a-calling. I just feel so bad because at one point they were battling Alabama for SEC supremacy, and now once Leonard Fournette leaves and graduates, that school is going to be pretty much – irrelevant going forward unless they hire a big name head coach please don't let it be brian kelly nor the name oh fire him please it's just funny to me is like everybody talks about the sec year after year and honestly the sec is not that great this year i mean you look at tennessee and georgia and north carolina and florida and these teams they have not been good in a a very long time i mean you got to look at uh, the big 10 have probably having the best teams right now in in the entire college football landscape so uh yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Michigan, Ohio State. You know, Michigan State's okay. I know they lost uh, was it a week ago. But honestly, it's just it's a weird college football season. I mean, Louisville's up there. Houston's up there. We may have a Final Four of, of predominantly basketball schools, for all we know. So, um, hey, it's been a lot of fun. But if you're, if you're a college football purist, you're probably not too happy. Probably not. You probably want to see a powerhouse in there, but you, you'll get Alabama because you know they yeah. will be there in the end. But yeah. um, someone who's not going to be around for Miami, the Miami Heat, that is, Chris Bosh apparently failed the physical, and apparently his career in Miami is done, which marks the official end of the big three in Miami. As you know, LeBron went back to Cleveland. Wade is now in Chicago, and it looks like Bosh is going to have to continue his career if he can continue with another with another franchise. And it's it's kind of sad to see because Brosh was the guy who was going to stay behind in Miami and continue to rebuild and retool with Pat Riley there. But blood clot issues, as we said, this has become a running theme throughout this episode, life before sports. And you got to take care of yourself. And there's a reason why Miami didn't want this guy on the court last year during the postseason. And you can kind of see why. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, the health concern is the biggest thing. And obviously, we don't want to see another Hank Gathers or anything like that. Reggie, uh, I forget the, the the man's name, but he played for the, the Celtics many years ago. And these people passed away from very similar uh, blood clot situations. So, you know, Chris has to be smart about this. And, of course, there's always going to be the people that are going to look at it and say, well, Pat Riley is pushing him out the door because uh, it was said last year that, that Riley didn't want him anymore. And he came out and said, quote, I think Chris is still open-minded, but we're not working towards a return. We feel that based on the last exam that his heat career is probably over. Now, the biggest issue is that the if he doesn't play, the Miami can apply for a disabled player exemption worth about $5.6 million that would allow the team to sign or trade for a player uh, for no more than that amount. But, and this is the big but, if, they, if the Heat can get a doctor that will go ahead and approve uh, under the NBA and NBA Players Association uh, that rules him medically unable to return, meaning his career is over, that no team can then uh, sign him, they will get the entire $21 million he's owed this season, and then I believe it's next and the year after that, gone off the books kaput. So again, while the Heat are obviously need to be looking out for this man's health and should be, there's an ulterior motive to it because if they can wipe out $21 million this year and over the next three uh, from their from their payroll, that opens up a whole lot of money to potentially, I don't know, go out and sign a Steph Curry next season when he becomes a free agent. So don't put it past the heat. Pat Riley is a shrewd businessman, okay? Like, you know, I wouldn't trust him with a $5 bill, okay? I, that's just, that's the, that's the way Riley rolls. And that's fine. That's why... That's why he's been in the game forever, and he's a great front office guy. But if he can, if he has a, an an inch to get rid of Chris Bosh so that it helps his team, look, he got rid of Wade, and nobody thought that was going to happen. Who is Chris Bosh to him? Nothing. So, Chris, we want you to get better. If you feel you can play, it's your life, my man. Do what you got to do. But uh, I, I hope he comes back and sticks it to Riley because I, I, I like I said, Riley, he if he can open up that money, he he will do everything in his power to make it happen. Quick thought, though. If you get Pat Riley, Theo Epstein, and myself in a room, oh, my gosh. We would make a whole boatload of money. We would own companies all over the world. We would kill Donald Trump when it comes to the economy, and maybe one of us would run for president and actually win. <laughs> I would love to see it. Um, you know what? Let's let's mow for president in 2020 because you're a little late this year. So 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little late for the independent party, but you know I can always come back with a with a with a late run in 2020 or maybe 2024. 2024. Get myself together because you know me and Pat and Theo, we gotta get together. And we gotta plan this out because you know it's a, it's a long process. It's yeah, long process. it is. And, and look, hey, they got some money, so you know, call up Mickey Harrison, owns Carnival Cruise Line. You know, we can we can put your face on the side of a cruise ship, my man. It would be amazing. It really works. But best of luck to Bosch. Whatever he decides to do, I just hope that if he does decide to continue his career, that he's that you know he turns out to be okay and there's no complications with the blood clots and we don't have a unfortunate situation in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it. We're gonna come right back with a wrap up. We're gonna talk our uh, amazing Bet DSI promotion. We're gonna talk about who you should pick, who you should put your money on, get you ready for the weekend of NFL action. We'll be right back. The wrap-up. The wrap-up is brought to you by BetDSI. Now get a hold of this because this could be your final opportunity to get 10 free dollars from the Mike and Mo Show at BetDSI.com. So listen up, all right? For those of us who love and live sports, this time of year is loaded with events. Of course, the NFL is back in action. Major League Baseball is about to hit the playoff stretch. PGA is going strong. UFC's got some fights. And of course, we've got the most entertaining presidential race ever with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton providing all the free comedy we can handle for the rest of the year. I mean, you saw it the other night during that first debate. It's atrocious. It's atrocious, but Clinton won that, so if you placed your bet on Clinton, you probably got some money. But anyway, with all these events going on, it's a great time to join BetDSI.com for your sports and wagering action. Watching games are fun, also debates too, but when you have cash riding on the outcome, it gets exciting. I signed up this year, I should probably sign up for next year too, but why? Because they have A-plus rating on all sports book review sites and have excellent customer service. They offer all sorts of odds on NFL and NCAA football, all the major sports leagues, and also have some fun options to bet the 2016 presidential election, reality TV shows, and so much more. Keep in mind there are two more presidential debates left to go, so tune into that. The BetDSI site is quick, mobile, mobile access works great, and it's very easy to use. Playing there makes watching games a lot more intriguing for everyone. All right, so here's the most important part is that Mike and Mo show listener BetDSI currently has the best promotion you've ever had come to you in your entire life, all right? You go to BetDSI.com, you use the promo code MAN10, M-A-N, the number 10, and you're going to get 10 free schkattles to bet the NFL or any one of the other sporting events going on in the world. Again, Major League Baseball next week, 10 free dollars, you got money. Once again, the promo code is MAN10, use the code, you'll be ready for some fun, picking games, maybe pocket some cash, take your girl out, and again, courtesy of BetDSI.com, the Mike and Mo Show podcast, MAN10 is what you want to use. All right, so here we go, week four of the NFL, and just to recap, once again, I beat Mr. Momentum, Mr. Mo Buckets, Mr. Mickey Harrison, Mr. I'm running for president in 2020. Whew, that was a lot out of my mouth. I beat Mo last week, 9-7. Mo was 8-8. Mo, 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 before the show, Mo was like, well, it was only one game. Well, that's what we call a winning streak. Mo, I beat you by one in week two. I beat you by one in week three. So let's go to week four, and hopefully, if you're betting at BetDSI, you're betting like Mike, not like Mo. So let's kick it off with, uh, well, Thursday night has come and gone. Obviously, we both took the Cincinnati Bengals because we're not stupid. Um, it was a horrible game. Ryan Tannehill needs to go away. Mo wants to be the new quarterback guru. So, uh, yeah, we're moving on. Jacksonville 
and the Colts. I am taking, and I know you're gonna say what? I'm taking the G. I'm taking the Colts, Mo. I'm taking the Colts. Yeah, I don't know why you you live in in you live in Florida, so you watch the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know they've been horrible, but horrible. if you live in Indianapolis or Indiana or in that area, and you get the Colts, you would also know that their defense is horrible, and Jacksonville is loaded. I'm taking I'm taking Jacksonville at home to beat the Colts. The Colts defense is just old. I know Jacksonville hasn't won a game, but they break out and finally get a victory over the Colts at home. Well, I'm, I'm going on Betsy aside and I'm putting my $10 down on Josh McRoberts. Is that his name? Josh, what's his name? The offensive coordinator of the, the Patriots? Anyway, he's going to be the newest head coach of the Jags. And until that happens, I am not rooting for the Jaguars. Keeping it going, Carolina and Atlanta. Atlanta absolutely came out last week and torched the New Orleans Saints, um, well, everybody except for Julio Jones because he's missing in action. But you got to take Carolina because Cam Newton is going to be PO'd. He's going to want to get right the ship before they get too out of control and they want to. Mo- they're going to move to two and two. So I'm taking Carolina. Yeah, Carolina's not going one and three. They they faced two really good defenses when they lost the Denver Broncos and the Minnesota Vikings. Atlanta does not have a really good defense. Panthers win this one. All right, now here is the thing that if you're an Oakland Raider fan, you might want to turn down the dial because Mo is a traitor. All right, he likes to talk about frauds and he likes to talk about Kirk Cousins being a fraud, but Mo's a fraud right about now. Why? Because he's taken the Baltimore Ravens over your Oakland Raiders. Now, I'm taking the Baltimore too, but I have no allegiance to the Raiders. Mo, tell us why you're going against the Silver and Black this week. Because I'm not a homer, and I like to keep it a hundred. And my fans know that. My audience knows that. My readers know that. When I think the Raiders are going to lose, I'm going to tell you. They're going to lose this game. And I'm telling you today, they're going to lose against Baltimore. Oakland just came off uh, a a road game against the Tennessee Titans. as back-to-back games outside of the West Coast. Last year, they had back-to-back games outside of the West Coast, and they split both. They're going to split this one. Baltimore is still undefeated, by the way. They're not an impressive undefeated team, but they have enough to beat Oakland because Oakland still, I, I still don't have faith in them covering those tight ends. Sorry, Oakland Raider fans, but Baltimore Ravens win this one. All right, Detroit and those terrible, terrible Bears. Uh, you got to take the Lions because if you take the Bears, then you're, you're, you're drinking. You're obviously drinking. So, uh, Mo, you taking the Lions? Gotta take the Lions here. I've always been high on the line. Not super high, but high enough that I think the Bears are going to finish last in division. Lions get this victory. Did I ever tell you about one time I had an authentic Joey Harrington jersey? You know, and you probably should keep that story to yourself, but you can go ahead and tell it if you want. Uh, that was pretty much it. It was an authentic Joey Harrington jersey. And he was, he was, he should have been good coming out of the University of Oregon, but that's, we'll save that story for another day. Uh, keeping it moving, Tennessee and those aforementioned Houston Texans. I'm going to stay with the Texans because Tennessee is just terrible. Yeah, my people out in Memphis are going to be mad at me if they hear this because I know they said they wanted to listen to our show, but I'm picking against Tennessee here. Uh, I know Houston got blown out by the Patriots, and Houston doesn't look so good without J.J. Watt, but Bill Belichick isn't on the Tennessee Titans sideline. It's Mike Malarkey, okay? Houston wins this game. Houston wins easily at home, even without J.J. Watt. The hot seat gets hotter for Rex Ryan, although really it shouldn't because he's playing New England and no one expects New England to, to lose this game, not even Rob Ryan. Uh, obviously, he went to bet DSI and put all his money on New England. So I'm going to take New England, and uh, if I did hear correctly, you're starting quarterback this week, right, because your brother Jacoby Brissett, he's out? 
Yeah, I may have to step in at quarterback. Brissett, uh, he he could be out. He did say he was ready to play, but I don't know how true that is. Apparently, they're still holding out for Jimmy Garoppolo to play, who's going to replace Tom Brady, like I said earlier in the show. But Rex Ryan at least had fun with it. He actually had a, a prank press conference where he called the Patriots and asked if Julian Edelman was going to quarterback, and he mocked Bill Belichick. All fun and games until the Eagles, until Eagles, until the Patriots spank you about thirty-five to zero because we all know Buffalo does not have a chance of beating the Patriots. Rex Ryan is a tool. Moving on, the game that breaks my heart: the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Jets. Oh gosh! Wait, wait hold on. Wait before you start. Yeah. You called me a traitor last week. <laughs> voting against the Jets and what happened Ryan Fitzpatrick throws six picks six now this week they're playing Seattle at home yeah and who are you going with Mike well, I don't write for the Jets, so I don't feel as bad, but they do. They are number one in my heart, but I just can't. Brandon Marshall's banged up. I mean, Matt Forte's even questionable. Decker doesn't look like he's going to play. That defense is not good. And like you said, Ryan Fitzpatrick is making Geno Smith look like an, a possibility at this point, although I still call for Bryce Petty. Uh, you can't take the Jets, and, and it breaks my heart to say it, but Seattle, again, it's, I'm not, it's not a foregone conclusion that the Jets are going to lose this game, especially Russell Wilson, if they can put some pressure on him and get that gimp ankle and that knee thing that he's got going on and possibly knock him out, then, then you know, then who knows. But I, on paper, you got to take Seattle in the defense. Oh, so you're, you're going against the Jets. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so now you, you're on the dark side now. You're on to reality. You put the pom-poms down, and you finally checked into reality. That's good to hear. Though. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Bronco game. I'll put the pom-poms back in my hands. But you're taking yeah. you're taking Seattle, too, so. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I, I like to keep it 100. Yeah, well, That's I'm gonna, why I'm taking Seattle. I'm going to keep it 75 from now on. Um, Moving over to the fraudulent Kirk Cousins, who came back last week and slapped the taste out of Moe's mouth by beating the New York Giants. He said, you like that? Who do you like that? That's what he said. And you know what? I liked it because I've got him as a backup in one of my teams. Now, I won't dare play him just yet. But, uh, hey, I, uh, I'm going to take him over Cleveland because it's Cleveland. Yeah, wipe the dust off of Kirk. If you got Kirk Cousins in your fantasy league, I feel sorry for you for starters. Why? Like, Better than Ryan Tannehill. If it, hey, listen. Okay, yeah, guys, exactly. We talked about Ryan Tannehill's yeah. talent. He's be better than Kirk Cousins. But what? if you have Kirk Cousins sitting on your bench collecting dust mites, wipe it off and start him because I call Kirk Cousins a fraud, but I did say he's money against bad teams, and Cleveland is just that. So if you got Kirk Cousins, this is the one week you're starting with confidence because he's probably going to beat up on the on a hapless Cleveland Browns and throw about five touchdown passes. And we all say, oh, he's he's worth the money. Uh, he's franchise tag. He should get a long-term deal because he can beat up on sub-500 teams. Yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, start your cousins. Washington wins this win easily over Cleveland. But I will say Terrell Pryor will have a good game. Oh, stop with the Terrell Pryor. Give me a break. Now he's getting points for catches, rushes, throws. Yeah, exactly. He should. He looks like a punter. Uh, Moving over to the Denver Broncos and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay is so inconsistent. Trevor Simeon, the new Aaron Rodgers, gotta love him. (laughs) I couldn't get. I couldn't get through that. But anyway, he did win AFC Player of the Week. So booyakasha to that, Mo. Uh, I'm taking Denver because Denver's gonna win the Super Bowl again. 
Denver's not winning the Super what? Bowl again. They're not even going to win their division. But anyway. What? Yes, uh, they are. No, they're not. Yes, they it's are. Gonna be the Raiders. But um, <laughs> anyway, I know you're high on Trevor Simeon. I think he looked like, I don't know, Tom Brady last week. Mm-hmm. But it, let's not drink the Kool-Aid too much. I am picking Denver here, by the way, because as you said, Tampa Bay is just a little too inconsistent for me. Their, their defense obviously took a hit without Lovey Smith. I don't think you've picked against Denver this year yet, and I know why, because you're wearing your boy John Elway's yep. jersey. Yep. And that's why I'm beating right. you in the overall standings. Exactly. I'm top two yep. games, because I keep taking Denver. Mm-hmm. Whatevs, bro. Yeah, okay. bro. Picking Denver here, because Tampa Bay is not that good. No, they aren't. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, man, this is a tough one, because I've got Gurley, I've got the Arizona defense, but I'm going to take Arizona, because I still can't believe that they got beat beat to smithereens last week by buffalo so i'm taking arizona I, i'm a little worried here because arizona they should have beaten the new england patriots yeah. opening oh, first week they didn't do it and as you said they got whooped by the buffalo bills who just fired their oc i i'm a little worried i i'm not that worried that i would take the los angeles rams and Mr. 79 Jeff Fisher over the Cardinals, but I'm a little worried. I'm picking the Arizona Cardinals with a slight concern here, but going to Arizona. Okay, New Orleans and San Diego. Now, we've already said San Diego has is playing with a peewee softball team um, because everybody's hurt, but the New Orleans Saints, this is a team that I feel is so stuck in, in like 2009. Uh, they go out and they re-sign Drew Brees, and I feel like they did that just so that people will buy tickets, and you know, they've got some decent pieces as far wide receivers but they have no defense uh mark ingram is a fine third down back but he cannot be your every down back but it's just like the same team it's it's like coach payton is just stuck in the past and this team is just not going anywhere fast and you saw last week when they got throttled by atlanta and yes they were in it because they continued to score but as soon as atlanta put a little bit of pressure on breeze the game was over so taking san diego even though it's it's basically the Philip Rivers show. They, they still won't be able to stop him because it just doesn't matter. Interesting note. Drew Brees is going to play against his former team, the San Diego Chargers, so there'll be a little extra in his arm in that game, but I don't think it's going to help because, as you said, New Orleans Saints don't have a defense. Maybe Sean Payton, even though they gave him a contract, maybe Sean Payton looks at that USC job that's probably going to open up soon. Maybe he looks at the LSU job that's already open. But back to the game, San Diego wins. Uh, Phillip Rivers will just uh, dice up that defense to death and probably put up 42 points. All right, moving on to a game that would have been awesome in 1979, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. Um... I'm going to take Dallas because I like Dak Prescott. I like what he's doing. Uh, Even if he doesn't have his main target, like you said, my man, White Lightning, doing big things. He's a thug. He's a small, diminutive wide receiver, but Cole Beasley's just just doing his thing. He's sliding in there. He's like the new, improved Julian Edelman. I got to love it. And uh, there's been talk this week that Blaine Gabbert could lose his job to Colin Kaepernick. So (laughs) anything's possible. Uh, Coleslaw Beasley put him down for about seven catches and 100 yards. Again, I don't think that's Brian plays. And San Francisco just doesn't have much. Even if they start Kaepernick, it doesn't make a difference. They don't have enough around their quarterback to, to make a difference against Dallas, even at home. Chip Kelly, I have faith in you as an offensive mind, but even you can't fix this in San Francisco right now. Mm-hmm. Dallas wins this win easily. All right, Sunday night, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. How big of a disappointment has Pittsburgh been to this point? I mean, everybody and their mother drafted Antonio Brown with the first pick in their fantasy uh, league, and he's gotten you three and five points in the past 
two weeks. I mean, he has been non-existent. Ben didn't do much better last week. I think he had six points or something like that. I mean, just kind of disappointing. This is the week uh, that I feel like if they don't get it on track, it could be a long season for Pittsburgh. But again, they play in the right division. Uh, We will see how Joey Flacco does this week against those uh, Oakland Raiders. But I'm going to take Pittsburgh just because I can't believe that they're really this bad. Pittsburgh's gonna be okay, all right. They they had a they had a bad game against the Eagles. Let's not overreact. They're fine. A B is fine, okay. Because if you're in the PPR league, you still cashed in the garbage time, okay. Kansas City, it's gonna. I will say this: it's gonna be an interesting matchup between Marcus Peters, who's a who's last year's defensive rookie of the year, and and Antonio Brown. That's gonna be a matchup to watch. Those two will see each other a lot in their careers. It's gonna be. It's going to be interesting to see who wins that battle, but I think Pittsburgh wins the game. It's going to be close. If you remember, Kansas City started their run in the regular season against Pittsburgh last year when they rattled off, I believe, 10 regular season victories. Pittsburgh gets their revenge this time. So are you telling me that I should be okay starting Ben Roethlisberger over Kirk Cousins, or do I flip-flop? No, you can start your mediocre fraud quarterback for Cousins if you want to. <laughs> All right, good to know. And the last game of the week, the New York Giants, who should be ashamed of themselves for the last week, against the Minnesota Vikings and Sam. I am the man, Bradford. Uh, I'm going to go against you because, again, I am smarter than you. I want to take the Giants because I just think that they're a lot better of a team. Uh, even though their record is obviously a game different. I still can't believe Minnesota is this good. Their defense is not supposed to be this good either, and obviously it's playing like a top-five defense, but uh, their running game was not not very good last week. Jerry McKinnon, Matt, Matt Asiata, they really didn't do much, so they're winning on defense right now, and if Eli can, you know, not be Eli, you know, fumble, <laughs> pick six, I, I think the Giants should be okay. Can I ask you a question? How did the Giants lose last week's game? How, how did it happen? What what happened before the clock ran out? What did Eli Manning do? He pulled an Eli Manning. Okay, so yeah. Minnesota just sacked, I believe they sacked Cam Newton eight times. Yeah. If they can sack Cam Newton eight times, who's a mobile quarterback and can escape trouble, don't you think Eli's statue Manning is going to get his head knocked in behind that offensive line that has troubles because Eric Flowers is not that good Marshall Newhouse is not that good. Yes, they have those wide receivers, although Brecker may have to put a bandage on his forehead after he got hit with the kicking net. That's <laughs> probably damage his stats. I think Minnesota wins this one with defense at Minnesota at that new stadium. I like the Giants, but I don't like them this week because Minnesota is playing, as you said, like a top-five defense. They actually remind me of Denver's defense last year. Ooh, high praise, but, you know. Trevor Simeon is still a lot better than Sam Bradford, so, you know. No, he's not. Not even. Stop. Stop. The, the Trevor Simeon, John Elway praise on this show is gone it. way over the top. I'm telling you. Over the top. I should be his agent or something like that. But, hey, you know what? Philadelphia, who has a bye week, looks really, really good. And Carson Wentz is, I'm telling you right now, rookie of the year. The guy is phenomenal, and I still can't believe that they got a first-round pick for Sam Bradford from the Vikings. I think the Vikings going to be... I think that I think it worked out for both teams, where the Vikings are going to go to the playoffs with Sam Bradford, and I think the Eagles are going to be a lot better than people expected. They're not going to go to the playoffs, but they found their guy in Carson Wentz. Obviously, it's only been two games, so let's calm down just a little bit, because if you... I think the stat is that Mark Sanchez also won his first three games in his career, and where's Mark Sanchez right now? Exactly. Dallas, so let's baby. Calm down. Dallas. Let's calm down. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. He deserves the praise because he's 
performing a lot better than we expected, and reports are that he's really driven. Apparently, he was reading the playbook at the dinner table when his girlfriend was talking to him, and he was busy studying plays from Doug Peterson under the dinner table, and that's that's commendable because it shows he's committed. It, they said that he has a Peyton Manning-like work ethic, which is incredible. So, I, you know, I have high hopes for Carson Wentz, but the Eagles will not make the playoffs, and Minnesota will, and they will go for a no after they beat the Giants. So are the Giants winning that division then? Because it's still different. winning that division, yes, Okay. All right, they just won't win this week, according to you? No, they're not going to win this week. All Trust right, me. well, erroneous, because you're the man that's still talking Ryan Tannehill up, so your credibility is shot, sir. Wait, wait a minute. Let, let's wait. Let's wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> let's pause. You have Kirk Cousins on your fantasy team, and you are a Kirk Cousins defender. Yep. Okay. You you love yourself some Kirk Cousins. I do. And and he can only he's beaten one winning team in his career. One. One. I think that's one. And he wasn't even the reason they won. It was a, an interception by Sue Cravens who sealed the victory. It wasn't even Kirk Cousins throwing the team to a victory. It was the defense. Uh, it's one more win than Ryan Tannehill has. Oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that, real. I mean, it's a true I want to see the Redskins and the Dolphins, baby. Is that is that happening this year? Because that would be epic. Yes, that would be epic, and Ryan Tannehill would wipe the floor with oh, Kirk Cousins. Man, when did you and Ryan Tannehill like graduate high school together? Because you guys are like inseparable. I mean, get off the Ryan Tannehill train. He is garbage. He's gonna be on. He's gonna be at the round table with me, Pat Riley, and Theo Epstein when we uh, rule the world. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a sinking cruise ship if that's the case. And uh, I would I would take you and Theo, and I try to find some more some more people to surround myself with. All right. The hate is so real. You see, by week eight, if, okay, by week eight or nine, because there's five weeks in there. So. After the Dolphins play eight games, we'll revisit the Ryan Tannehill versus Kirk Cousins comparison. We'll I can't see wait. who's okay. the better quarterback at that point. Well, you don't have any wins if you're the Dolphins, so you're already shooting yourself in the foot. But best of luck to that, Mo, because you're out of your mind. But, you know, we uh, that's why we love you. That's why we love doing this show, because Mo goes out on a limb. And um, if he's not talking Raiders, he's talking Ryan Tannehill. So, uh, but, you know, there's lots of good things that's about to come up. We got, we got the baseball playoffs getting ready. Uh, it's been a fantastic year. A lot of ups, a lot of dots and downs. Hopefully, Moe's Mets will make the playoffs and, and at least have somebody for us to root for. Um, you know, I'm, uh, we'll give you our we'll give you our predictions next week. But again, NBA training camps are getting ready. Uh, what's going to happen with Derrick Rose and the Knicks? I don't know. It's a lot of lot of a uh, lot of crap going on in the news right now. But it'll be interesting to say the least. Never a dull moment. And of course, we will see who out of Mike and Moe is the uh, is the smarter of the two or the wiser of the two when it comes to their draft picks and of course our fantasy football league uh, i unfortunately did not start emmanuel sanders last week so that bit me right in the tush whereas mo is still undefeated so uh, obviously he is doing the right thing and pushing the right buttons into that if you can't see i wish you guys could see me right now because i am doing the dougie oh as i'm God. still undefeated because mike likes to gloat when he's up in the picks. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. Mike had nine right picks last week, and I had eight. But yep. who's undefeated in their fantasy league? And that would be M O E Mo Mike. Not so much two, two and one. one. It's okay. So because I didn't start Emmanuel Sanders, because uh, you know I didn't, because I I let you talk me out of Trevor Simeon, and I'll never happen again. 
Ever. So you're gonna believe in Trevor Simeon from here on out? Yep. A Draymond Green. Yep. That's gonna be a problem, sir. Yeah. But well. real quick, are we gonna have a basketball fantasy league? Because if I'm gonna dominate football, I have to also dominate in the NBA. Because we all know that I'm a dual sport person. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. I you know I feel uh, I feel like my my basketball acumen is good enough to uh, to dominate there as well. So bring it. I don't think so. Whoa. Okay. Well, we shall see. But. As always, Mike and Mo Show on Twitter, Facebook, go on iTunes, leave a comment. We are, of course, hosting the show on Stitcher, BetDSI.com. Get you 10 free dollars to bet. A lot going on in the world of fantasy football, baseball, basketball. Everything is coming your way. It's all culminating into a fantastic end to the year. We've got a couple months before the uh, before the holidays approach, so win that money. Do it now or forever hold your peace. And, of course, check us out. Download the show. Share it. Do the damn thing. I have always been Mike Calendarilla. He is Maurice Moten. This is episode 33. We'll catch you next week for episode, what comes? 34. Until then, be good, be kind, and cherish one another. We'll talk to you then.